Welcome, everybody. It's Mark Steiner right here on your source for cool jazz and more. WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. And uh, on our lead up to Annapolis Summit with our print partner, The Daily Record, we produce a series of conversations about issues that are going to be prominent front and center in Annapolis uh, this session. Uh, and Brian Sears, uh, their lead reporter here in Annapolis, uh, writes many of these pieces. He wrote the one for this week uh, about uh, the transportation law and the battle over that. And uh, he must have had somebody on the inside because he wrote the article on Monday and then they called a press conference on Wednesday <laughs> to cover the exact same issue that he wrote about. So there well, we have lucky it. Lucky rabbit's foot, Mark. Lucky rabbit's foot. <laughs> Welcome, Brian. Good to have you with us. Thank you, sir. Now, on our way to talking to Brian, I'll remind you, we talked about the Annapolis Summit. It, our 14th annual Annapolis Summit is this January the 11th. Uh, it's a Wednesday morning, 7.30 to 10 a.m. It's your chance to have your voices heard by Governor Larry Hogan, Senate President Mike Miller, House Speaker Michael Bush. And so please, we want you to join us there. It's, and tickets are easy to get. Just uh, call Haley Polling at 443-524-8161, or you can email Haley at hpolling, P-O-L-I-N-G, hpolling at thedailyrecord.com. And the Annapolis Summit is sponsored by the Daily Record, Stevens University, Hopkins Center for a Livable Future, Maryland State Education Association, Alexander and Cleaver, BPC, and WEAA. Now, Brian, so you, this is really was in some ways pressure, but pressure in the sense that this is going to be one of the key issues. So talk a bit first about our listeners about why, what happened last session that involved the red line and what the Democrats did and, and, and where this collision course began. So I think this is going to probably end up being the defining transportation issue um, this session, and it does have its roots back in last year. And, um, and, and, and maybe even if we go back a little bit, it has its roots directly in Governor Larry Hogan's decision to cancel the Baltimore Red Line. And that's where, the, that's where the genesis of this legislation really begins. There are a lot of legislators who would like to tell you that, that the two things are not mixed. But the minute those words come out of their mouth, I'll have other legislators that immediately will say, yes, but we need this because of the red line. And, and there was a lot of concern about the governor canceling the, canceling the program. They felt that it was not transparent. They didn't understand why the governor, um, even though the governor issued a number of statements on, on this, the, they were concerned that, they, they didn't understand why this happened. They were also um, uh, disappointed in his decision to um, go in a different direction than uh, former Governor Martin O'Malley, who started to put money, um, who was putting money into transit-oriented and urban, uh, transit-oriented projects in urban areas. And Hogan um, decided to move some of that money after canceling the red line into rural roads projects that he felt had really uh, been allowed to suffer um, over the last eight years. And so really, this is a battle about where the money goes. And it also seems to me in some ways, before you get into the heart of of, these, of, of, of what this battle might mean, um, it's also, in some ways, it seems to be a deeply, two things. It's a, a, it's a deeply philosophical disagreement over where transportation money should go. Is it rail? Is it road? Is it, but then it's also, secondarily, not I maybe mean, not secondarily, uh, is it rural, suburban, or urban? And what is the future? I mean, this is, I mean, this is, a, is, is, is deeper than just a battle between the governor and the democratic le- leadership, I think. It is. I mean, that's that's primarily. I think you've you've managed to define this. I mean, I, I know that the, some of the players that are involved in this in in the House would like to say that this is not a partisan issue. But um, you know, the players the players in this who helped craft this language, uh, which also you know, which include uh, a former cabinet secretary under Martin O'Malley. I mean, this bill did not show up in Annapolis 
when Martin O'Malley was governor. Um, it showed up in Annapolis immediately following the, the Governor Hogan's decision to cancel the red line. And so it, it's hard to separate the politics from, you know, from what is clearly a, po- a politics issue. So, uh, so what is the reality? Let me understand some things for our listeners here. I mean, and and I, what what is when Hogan says this stops him from being able to uh, do transportation? He had these big signs up there showing how all these things had to be canceled. The Democrats saying, "No, that's not the case. We just want transparency, and you have to prioritize which becomes important, so we can understand why." From your perspective, where's the reality? Uh, okay, so uh, I, I would say there's a little bit of reality in both of those statements, and here's how, how it works. Uh, I, I like to think of this a little bit, the governor's reaction to this scoring system, a little bit like when you see teachers um, using the work-to-rule strike, and they will say, hey, look, our contracts say we only have to work until 4, so we're only working until 4. Um, the legislature passed this law that requires the governor to take all of the local priorities. These are, these are roads projects that all 24 jurisdictions come up with on their own and they submit them to the state and they're always looking they're always looking for funding there's you know for all of these projects there's only 917 million dollars this year and there's i mean we're talking i mean the governor talked yesterday about 73 projects so the the money is always limited and what the legislature essentially said was is we want you to now use these nine categories that have to be scored evenly you can come up with how you're going to do it but they're all they all must equal each category is maxed out at 100 points, and you score them and rank them, and you should be looking at funding these projects based on how they rank. Then they open up this caveat, and the caveat is that the governor can, and then when I say the governor, I mean a governor, not just Governor Larry Hogan, but any governor, can then take a look at that list and decide that maybe there's a project that really scores very low, but has a particular importance, whether it's a public safety issue or an economic development issue for a region, and he can he can leapfrog that project up the list. But what he has to do is to provide a letter to the legislature explaining why projects get moved up the list. Um, the legislature argues that this provides the transparency. Um, the governor, in drafting his regulations, drafted the regulations as narrowly as possible in order to present. Um, I mean, really, what it does is it it it. Come, it, it sort of presents this worst case scenario that they talked about, which is is that all of these all this money goes to urban counties, um, top seven projects in just four counties. Um, the other thing that the other thing that they is that they sort of are ignoring at this point is, is they are ignoring the idea that they can write a letter to leapfrog. They're simply saying, look, we're required to score them and rank them, and however they rank, that's how we have to fund them, and that means that you know, sixty six projects will not ever ever be eligible for funding because there are seven projects that rank higher. Is that real, though, that they won't, that they won't um, be funded? I mean, look, I mean, it's, it's certainly real in terms of the application by the administration. I mean, there, I, I will tell you, there is this letter process by which they can leapfrog things. It's not something that the administration talks about, but it is clearly in the law, and it does allow for some flexibility. But I will also tell you on the flip side that lawmakers who supported this will, tell me, will try to tell me that this, this law is advisory, um, but I will tell you, this law is anything but advisory. This law requires a governor to score these projects, and it requires that governor to fund them in that order unless he or she writes the letter that leapfrogs them. So it, it is not advisory. Um, but it is also, and I'll tell you something else. This is there's a there's a discussion that this is based on something that Virginia does. Right, I read that. Um, this this very loosely based. I would tell you that. 
that comparing Maryland's law to Virginia's law is like comparing apples to meat. So what's the difference for you? I mean, could describe that for a moment, if you could. Well, I mean, Virginia's, Virginia's law um, was, was more collaborative. Um, it, the writing of the regulations took two years to do. Um, it, it's a much longer process, and they divided the state up into um, five sections. A lot, of the, uh, a lot of the categories and priorities were not codified in law. They were, the, the Department of Transportation was given flexibility to determine priorities for each region. And then also allowed flexibility moving forward so that, say, you have an area whose priorities, you know, whose, whose needs change, you can make that region's needs change. And it allows then these five, these five distinct regions in Virginia to compete on an even playing field for the same number of transportation dollars. So, you know, it's also interesting to me how this politically plays out in terms of the public image. The, 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 I think um, more... <laughs> Conservative, moderate Democrats and Republicans are better, at least in Maryland, it seems, at coining phrases that that's that that's ringing people's heads. <laughs> like, right? Like, uh, and look, I mean, so you're 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 referencing the uh, the the so-called rain tax, and right. the governor, the governor is working very clearly. This is uh, he's got a he's got a catchphrase for this. He rolled it out in August. It's clear he's going to continue to use it. He refers to this law as the roadkill bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's a it's a very very kind of slick move. I mean, the the way this bill, the title of this bill, is so cumbersome that roadkill bill will is what uh, I think will be in people's heads. Um, it's a, it's a really easy hashtag and a meme, isn't it? It, it really is. I mean, it really is. Um, so I, so coming back to this thing, I, I, so what do you think when you look at this, our state legislature, which is mostly Democrats? Uh, you have this Republican governor. There was some real anger over killing the red line from Democrats across the the Baltimore Washington region, um, and and beyond uh, perhaps as well. Um, so that's part of what's fueling this. And people there's still that that kind of issues are pending with the LDF kind of uh, this new administration might won't mean much, but the LDF kind of pushing the issue uh, with with the uh, federal government. So I mean, but this seems if this is such a battle, how do you think it plays out? I mean, does the governor have the votes? to overturn the veto and do get what he wants. So, I mean, look, I, I think my, my knee-jerk reaction is to say that there's a very, uh, the, pardon the pun, but there's a tough road ahead for this for the governor. Um, I, I think that, you know, lawmakers who support this have been very clear with me that, um, you know, the, a repeal is not something that they're interested in. Uh, this even comes straight from the top of the House um, and, and House Speaker Mike Bush. I mean, they are not interested in a repeal. There has been a conversation among legislators about finding a way forward with the governor to make things better. Um, the governor on his side and, and his transportation secretary, Pete Ron, have told me repeatedly, um, repeal first and then, uh, and, then a, and then find a way to replace. So, I mean, they, they look at it as repeal and replace. Um, I mean, you could also have a scenario that plays out like we saw with the rain tax where the governor submits a bill that repeals, you know, that repeals the stormwater management fee that gets killed almost as soon as it arrives in the House of Delegates. And then the House and the Senate pass a bill that makes some changes that the governor immediately allows himself to declare that he repealed the rain tax, even though if you live in a jurisdiction that's still, that had the rain tax, then you probably still have one now. Um, but it, but it, but it gave him enough wiggle room to make that declaration, and it also made 
um, environmentalists exceptionally happy. And if you go back and look at that photo that was taken on bill signing day, you won't find anybody standing behind the governor from the Maryland Association of Counties on the rain tax bill. They're all environmental <laughs> groups. And so I think I think you could see a scenario by which the legislature steps in and passes a bill that that makes that does more clarification, that holds the governor, that that changes the standards and makes the governor do some different things, but may also provide some wiggle room where the governor says, hey, look, I got my repeal. And so the consequences of who who wins this battle? Um, You know, the consequence, look, I think the consequences, again, it really comes down to where the money goes. Um, uh, The the governor has been pretty clear that he wants that that he wants to try to send money to, uh, you know, to all areas of the state. Um, he, you know, and, and those include rural areas. And, and of course, the, the politics of that are that these are areas that strongly support a Republican governor, um, you know, and and urban urban areas, you know, Montgomery County, Prince George's County, Baltimore City being predominant here are really very concerned about how this is going to affect their transportation. needs. Well, this could be fascinating to watch this roll out. Once again, uh, I want to thank you for all the work you do in Annapolis, Brian. Uh, you really uh you cover it very intensely. Your articles are great. And I'm not just blowing smoke because we're partners in this. You, you, <laughs> I appreciate it. And you really do. And, and I think that uh, it was almost pressing that we got this out. You got this out this week. And now we're covering again because of what the governor said. We look forward to everybody joining us uh, on January 11th in Annapolis for the Annapolis Summit. And Brian Sears, thank you once again, my friend. Thank you so much, sir. We'll take a break and come back and continue debating this issue with people with two different points of view. Stay with us.